0: Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio. We are so glad you could join us for this message from Lauren Larson. In this sermon, Brother Larson ministers about the Holy Spirit and the maturing believer. We hope this will be a blessing to you. Be sure to join us every day at noon Central Standard Time for a message from Brother Larson. Open your Bibles tonight, if you would, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and... One of the things that have been in my heart all weekend long, or for the weekend rather, as we've just said, is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If ever we've needed the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's now. And if ever we needed to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's now. I stand before you as someone who has been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and I believe that He is able to do far more in us than we allow Him oftentimes. I think sometimes, however, and I'll say this carefully, that just the event of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, we sometimes look at it as a cure-all instead of an open door that begins a process that will help us better understand his work and his ministry in us day in and day out. The power of the baptism with the Holy Spirit is for the equipping of the individual for service so that we might carry out the work of evangelism in the world today. That's why the power of the baptism with the Holy Spirit is so important. But oftentimes we seem to neglect some of the uh, how shall I say, housekeeping work of the Holy Spirit. We fail to understand His work, and while we want everyone certainly baptized with the Holy Spirit this weekend, we also want us to come away with an, a better understanding of the Holy Spirit and how He works and what He does, what He's been sent here to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 14. Paul the Apostle would write, and he said this, how be it We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. We'll need to define that. Perfect here doesn't mean sinless. It means mature. It means that Paul wants to speak a word to people that ought to be able to understand it in order to grow. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. You have to understand that there's nothing in this world that men can add to the gospel to make it better. Only thing that we can do is add things to the gospel to dilute it, pollute it, and corrupt it. And Paul didn't want the wisdom that came from the world, nor the princes of the world. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The gospel is a mystery. It's a mystery because of its simplicity. It's a gospel that a child can understand and experience. And adults oftentimes, trying to make it more than God intended, overcomplicate the simplicity that is in Christ and fail to operate in the power that can come when we maintain simplicity. But in order to experience the wisdom of the gospel, we have to have it revealed to us. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the powers of darkness and the rulers of the world would have understood what the crucifixion of Christ was to accomplish, they would have never done it. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now oftentimes we read this as a people, as a Christian, and we think about, oh, when we get to heaven, and who doesn't want to think about getting to heaven? We're going to see things that uh, we just can't even imagine. And, And I believe in that. But that's not what this text says. For look at the next line. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. So the things that God has prepared are not just heavenly. They're for us here right now. In this life, right now, these words, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love them. Do you know What God has prepared for you. Well, you should know. uh, That would be a good time to say amen. amen. Because it says here, but God hath revealed them unto us. How did He reveal the benefits of this redemption plan to us? By His Spirit. There we are. By His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now slow down and think just a minute. You know what you really think about. And you know what you say. You know what you are on the inside. And you know how you really feel about something. But even your spouse doesn't always get an earful of what you're really thinking. Come on, somebody help me here. But your spirit knows really what you want to say. Your spirit knows really what you want to express. Your spirit knows how you feel. Am I right? Of course, you do. No one else does. But what if you could take your spirit and put it into me and then teach me how you feel? That's exactly what God did as a result of Calvary. He took his spirit and placed it into you. He took His Spirit that knows Him in depth, knows everything about Him, knows all that He feels, knows all that He knows, and in order to teach us about Himself, He placed His Spirit in us. Do you know what you have as a believer? Do you understand what salvation gives you? Do you understand that God in the world, before the world, decided that in his plan of redemption, he would have his son die so that he would be able to legally place his spirit in a people that don't deserve it, earn it, or labor for it? The blood of Christ paid the price for you to receive the Spirit that now lives in you and is ready to reveal to you everything you'll ever need to know about God. What a plan. What a plan. What a plan. Excuse me while I get excited. It says, now we, verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God has a lot of things that He's not going to tell us. Excuse me, I'll preach over here. There's a lot of things that God just isn't going to reveal. But the things that he has revealed to us by his spirit, he has not because we've been good, not because we deserved it, not because we're intelligent, not because we do everything right, but because he knows that's what you need. And so he gives us by his spirit what we need. He gives those things freely. He doesn't, when you're discouraged, he'll come to you with a word that speaks to your spirit and lift you above the shadows, lift you above the hurt, live to you. And it doesn't matter what your hurt is. Whether you're a six-year-old that's been spurned for the first time and your heart is broken, you can call it puppy love. But to a six-year-old, that's death. To a 40-year-old, that's Death. So no matter where you were, He knows how you feel. He, can, he, can, and he knows exactly what you have to have, when you have to have it. He knows what He's created you for, and He knows what you need to know. And God is in charge of the dissemination of wisdom and understanding, and He gives to each of us freely... All that is required for us, what He gives to me, He may not give to you. And what He gives to you, He may not give to me. There's some things that we should share in common, like the gospel. I said like the gospel. We should share the gospel. It ought to be a simple gospel. It ought to be a a, a gospel that really lends itself to a learning that takes place by the Spirit that speaks to us of the things of God. Verse 13 Paul said, which things we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Paul said, my ministry is to teach the things that the Holy Spirit wants me to teach. The things that the Holy Spirit guides us to teach. Now don't get all spooky on me. Ooh, And he doesn't change the content or the purpose of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is here to bring credit and grandeur and honor and glory to Christ. So he's going to lead us into the knowledge of Christ. There's a lot about Christ I don't know yet. I've been serving him for 35 years, and I feel sometimes like I'm just getting started, because some of the things he reveals to me about me and about himself, I'm like, I should have known that 35 years ago. But the truth of it is, we learn line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, the Holy Spirit gives us the things of God. And when the teachers that are around us are teaching properly and preaching properly, the Holy Spirit is able to do His job in a greater measure in the individual people that are in the church listening to the message. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual Fourteen, But the natural man, the natural man, the man that is either not saved or is operating in a carnal process, trying to live for God in the wrong way. And this text tells us that everything that we learn about God, if it's proper, comes from the person of the Holy Spirit. He is not a wind. He is not a fire. He is not a dove. He is a person. Just like the one seated next to you. A real, live person. He is the person of the triune Godhead that came to represent the Godhead on this earth after Jesus left. He said, if I don't go away, He won't come. But if I go away... I'll send him to you. And it's our responsibility to come to know the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we might become what God wants us to become. So I want to minister tonight simply the Holy Spirit and the maturing believer. The Holy Spirit and the maturing believer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your Spirit and We say it again, Father, we did it so poorly a moment ago, but we ask, come now, Holy Spirit. Meet us here in this place. Meet us in this church house. Meet the needs of the people that are here. As we preach the gospel, as we proclaim your power and your grace and your ability to lead and guide and help, Lord, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would have His way in every heart. And if there's one here that has never made Christ their Savior, before this night is out, let them be being led and taught by the Holy Spirit Himself. And we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen Amen. and amen. Right in the center of this dissertation of Paul to the church of Corinth, which oftentimes can take a kind of nasty turn because the church at Corinth, was moving away from the simple gospel. There's a lot of opinions as to why they were being moved away, but the truth was there were ministers that were not preaching what Paul preached. That's the simplicity of it all. They weren't speaking what Paul spoke as the gospel. And they were moving the people away. The further away we get from the gospel, the more immature we will become. And the more things that shouldn't matter to us in the church begin to matter, like the color of the carpet and where we put the drinking fountain and whether or not we meet at 10.30 or 10.45. Um, I'm preaching, brother, now. Amen, Brother Larson. We began to look at, as the church at Corinth did, preaching a gospel that was made up of men's wisdom, preaching what men think. Not what God the Holy Ghost has taught. Not what God the Holy Ghost has presented. You won't have any success in growing people up in your churches if you're not preaching what Paul was preaching. If you're not teaching what Paul was preaching, because Paul knew this, it wasn't just the words that he spoke. It was the intent of his heart and the direction that he pointed people in that brought about the ministry of maturing from the person of the Holy Spirit. So as Paul begins to open up the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians, he's really fighting what others are preaching, and he just encapsules it by calling it the wisdom of men people in churches all around America preaching what men think and not what God has told us to preach. And when we do that, it might sound good. It might sound plausible. It might even sound religious. And if we can add a little style to it, hallelujah, glory. Well, then <coughs> we might fool people into thinking that what we had to say was the substance of the gospel but let me tell you this the power of the gospel is when that it is actually preached the power of the holy ghost gets involved and does things in the heart and mind of men that men could never do some people can get talked into being religious and come in church i want to be introduced to the person of jesus christ and that's why i come to church are you following what i'm saying And it takes the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring men to Christ and then to keep men focused on Christ. And so Paul is trying to present the gospel in the first four chapters. He he tells the church at Corinth and the the men that were preaching, be careful how you build because you can't preach on or build on anything except Jesus Christ. He's the foundation of it all. You've got to preach on Him. That's what you want to introduce people to. If you want the Holy Ghost to move in your church, preach Jesus. I said, if you want the Holy Spirit to move in the church, preach the redemption plan of God. Preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and watch what the Holy Ghost will do, because that's the message that we are sent to proclaim. Everything else is men's wisdom, and the maturing power of the Holy Spirit is not going to be found adequately moving for the people if that message isn't preached the first four chapters I don't have time to go over the whole four chapters we'd be here until tomorrow but you weren't going anywhere anyway. but no I won't I won't do that to you but if you study the first four chapters you'll see that he even come listen you'll see that he even comes to us and says you're the temple of the holy ghost and then he says to the teachers and the preachers beware because if anybody destroys the temple and I know what we've done with that we said oh we destroy the temple by smoking cigarettes no you don't either Maybe too many Snickers bars. You destroy the temple, the place that God lives, by bringing it false doctrine. And you tear down the fabric of the individual who's supposed to be growing in Christ because you're not preaching what needs to be preached so that the Holy Spirit can mature the body of Christ and conform them into the image of Christ. You're not preaching what Paul is preaching. Therefore, what you're doing is you're destroying the temple of God. The place that God wants to dwell is not being matured. It's being destroyed by false doctrines. By the wisdom of men. By the wisdom of men. By religion and religious sounding plausible plaudets and, and religious routines and all the things we try to add to the gospel. And Paul is in the center of this. And right in the center of it, he slows down and says, listen, if you want to see God move in your church... And preach the gospel. Thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio. We do not sell any advertising on this station. So, we need your help to keep bringing the message of the cross to the world. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on how you can help. There you can donate by secure means with debit card, credit card, or PayPal. Remember, even the small amounts add up. We thank you in advance for your support and prayers. God bless. Okay, well, I I am preaching the gospel. Well, are you? Or are you preaching men's wisdom? Verse 20 of chapter 1, go there with me a minute. Where is the wise, Paul asked? Because this is what the first four chapters is all about. Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish... The wisdom of this world. God's plan is so simple, it embarrasses mankind. He sent His only begotten Son to die, and whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. The just shall live by faith. But faith in what? Tell me, Paul, verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the, what? Foolishness of preaching. So if we're going to tell people what the gospel is, somebody needs to preach. I get it. Sometimes, pastor, we need to share. I get that. I want somebody to preach to me. I want somebody to stand up under the anointing of the Holy Ghost in the power of God and proclaim the gospel message to me so that when I walk out the doors after church, there's something on the inside of me going, mm-hmm, something alive in me, something that God placed in me has been stirred up by the power of God, not by the style of man, not by personality, not by the things that we put stock in, not great rhetoric ability, but God, the Holy Ghost, stirring up on the inside of me, giving me truth when someone preaches because it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them. Wait a minute. To save them. What? That believe. See, believing is something that you need to do even after you get saved. Come on, somebody where the bible says in verse 18 that it's the message of the cross to those that are perishing it's foolishness but to us that are being saved being continuously transformed it is the power of god so somebody ought to be preaching the wisdom of god what is the wisdom of god well i can tell you what it's not verse 22 the jews require a sign and the Greeks want somebody with a PhD and 44 letters that don't belong to their last name after their name. I want to see a miracle or I want to see the educated man. I want to have this or that. The Jews want this. The Greeks have that. But in the wisdom of God, Paul says, but we preach. Here it comes now. You want the wisdom of God? You want to see the Holy Ghost move? We preach Christ. We preach Christ crucified. That's the wisdom of God. We preach Christ. We preach Christ crucified. That's the wisdom of God. The simple message of Jesus. Now, it's not so simple when you start looking at who He was, and it's not so simple when you start looking at what He did. Because the event can be clearly understood, but what the event did, and what the event provided, and what the event brought into humanity is a mystery that has been hidden from the world until the day that Jesus died on Calvary. He was the Lamb slain before the found. Thank you for the before the foundation of the world, but we didn't know that was coming. We didn't know that that was going to happen. And if the rulers of this world, as we read earlier, would have known what it would do, if they would have understood that the power of sin would be broken, if they would have understood that the flesh and the world and the devil could all be destroyed and come to naught in the life of a human being by one man giving up his life on Calvary, going down to the grave, and on the third day raising up and ascending to the right hand of the Father, and on the day of Pentecost sending back the third person of the triune Godhead to live in all who would believe so that that person of the Godhead could begin to teach them. Teach them what? Rules of religion? Rhetoric? Style? No. So that that person, that God in them could teach them about Jesus and what He did for you. Jesus and the depths of what He has accomplished for you. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those that love Him, but His Spirit… You see it? His Spirit is ready to express to you and teach you what it is that Jesus really accomplished for you. We say Jesus died on the cross for me. He did. But what does that mean? What did that do? What did in the, in, the, in the whole of humanity, what did that accomplish? If you haven't dug down to the depths of the, of, the, uh, of, the, of the huge hole that lies beneath the cross, if you haven't climbed the heights of what it means to know the person that died on that cross, then you haven't really understood all of the gospel yet and you're and you're you know you're ready to go this way and that but wait are you are, am I am I making any sense to you at all i'm trying to get you to preach and to hear the message that causes the holy spirit who's been given to every believer to move you want a revival you need to hear about jesus Well, I know about no. You you got. I know what it. You you went to Sunday school and you remember the little felt figure in your Sunday school class where the guy put it on the board. Some of you don't know what I mean, but okay. But they put it on your iPad now, and they. (laughs) The Son of God came to Earth. The Son of God took on the habiliments of humanity, the Son of God. Why? When you see Him, he told Philip, he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It seems to me I might want to take a closer look. Come on, somebody. It seems to me that I might have missed a few things in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe I need to spend a little more time in the text. Maybe I need to look a little bit closer and find out how He responded and how He acted and what He thought and what He said. Maybe I ought to listen to His preaching a little bit closer because He, when I see Him, when I see Him, then I see the Father. When I, because He was the member of the Godhead first that came to do what? To reveal the Father to me. When you see me, you've seen the Father. So maybe I need to cuddle up a little closer at night with the person that loved me and gave himself for me. And maybe, just maybe, pastor, I need to find out a little bit more about the cross other than the fact that he died. It was there that the power of the sin nature over us was broken. It was there that the power of the flesh was broken. It was there that the penalty for sin was paid. It was there that where freedom from laws and religion and routines as a means of relationship with God was forever cast aside. And now by faith. I get up every morning and I don't earn my relationship with Him. I know I'm in relationship with Him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And the justified ones shall live by faith. What am I getting excited about? What Jesus brought to me. What He brought to me. The Holy Spirit, if that's what you're preaching, let me get back to my text. If that's what you're preaching, then pastor, you are opening up the door for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If that's not what you're preaching, you close the door, not completely, because God will not let his children go absolutely starvation hungry. He's just that good. I said, he's just that good. But at the same time, if I want to mature, okay, are you with me? Yes. Am I, are we okay on the same page? All right. So when he says, verse 6, how, by, how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, he's just simply saying, there's a group of people that I want to speak to, that I can speak to, that are able to grasp the truths of God. And I determined... Not to preach anything but Christ that Him crucified so that their faith might stand, listen, in the power of God. It's one thing to believe, it's another thing to have the Holy Ghost as your backup. It's one thing to have faith, it's another thing to have the Holy Ghost have your backup. When you are about to give up on the whole thing and you're down and your face is in the mud and like I said earlier, all of a sudden, something supernatural on the inside of you won't let you quit, won't let you stop, said, get up, boy. And, and even though you'd rather lay there and die because you went ahead and did the wrong thing, you made a mistake, you bit off a big piece of stupid, and, and, and there was nothing left but dishonor and disarray, and God the Holy Ghost said, uh-uh. It ain't over till I say it's over. See, that's power. That's your faith standing in the power of something that goes far beyond willpower, mental ability, education. Are you, are you, are you seeing what, what I'm trying to say to you? So Paul said, this is what I'm preaching and what I'm teaching. And I want to tell you about the wisdom of God. But I speak verse seven, wisdom in a mystery. And again, the mystery was that redemption plan of God that makes no sense to the world. 2,000 years ago, a Jew got crucified on two slabs of wood outside of Jerusalem, and if you'll put your faith in him, you'll have eternal life. Do what? A man was crucified outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And if you place your faith in Him, you'll be eternally saved. A failure to place your faith in Him brings damnation forever. Years and years ago, and I I honestly wouldn't recommend this. If you do it, I'll leave it up to you. But we took groups down to Mardi Gras to witness to people that were at Mardi Gras. You know, um, can I just suggest that it might be better to get the drunks when they're sober? And a lot of times, uh, Christians, that's the only reason we ever get to see Mardi Gras is when we go to preach to the drunks that are at Mardi Gras. Well, anyway, we went down and, and the funny thing is, is that every year down at Mardi Gras, and I know there's people that do it out of a, a love for God. I'm not, you know, you do what the Lord leads you to do. But I'm making this point. When we got down there and I had a group of students, busloads of them that were traveling through the, downtown Mardi Gras and Bourbon Street, there was a group that knew that there were Christians that were coming to destroy the good time the partiers were having. So all these Christians get organized, and they come from all over the world to witness to the people at Mardi Gras. And so the people that thought that our message was foolish were there too. And they carried big placards saying, "'The frog croaked for your sins.'" And they looked for Christians to attack them. Now, that's what the world thinks of your salvation message. The frog croaked for your sin. To them, a man dying on two slabs of wood makes no sense. What are you talking about? The frog croaked for your sin. They made fun of it. They laugh at it. They ridicule it and tried to find fault with the people that were witnessing to the people that were there to party. The world doesn't understand our Gospel because it's not naturally discerned. It has to be revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The night I got saved, the Holy Spirit entered into a room that I didn't invite him. I still don't know why he showed up. But I'm sure glad he did. Because he cut through the drugs and the alcohol and the unbelief and the hurt and the pain and the destroyed life that I had when I was 25 years old and said, hey, there's something better for you. And showed me I was a sinner and pointed to Jesus. And all I could think to say was, if you would still have me. And he took me. And I became the temple of the Holy Spirit. And from that day to this, I'm still learning. I would like to think I'm mature or one of those quote quote perfect maturing Christians, but every now and then I've gotten off base because I started to look at something that was not the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God, according to the Apostle Paul, is simple. I determined not to preach anything but Christ and Him crucified, so that your faith would be centered in Christ and Christ alone. It's there that the Spirit can start and be- to begin to reveal again. Verse nine: Eyes not seen ears not heard, but God hath revealed those things which He hath prepared for us now by His Spirit. And we as believers, verse 12, have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. God's Spirit. It came from God. It's God's Spirit. Same analogy. He took His Spirit out of Himself and places it into you. This is new covenant theology. This is new covenant promise. God said, I'm going to have a covenant that's nothing like the old one. I'm going to give you a new one. And every one of you are going to know me. How in the world could that happen? By Jesus Christ going to the cross. By him paying the sin debt so that your sin and mine could be Completely taken away. Not just covered, but taken away. Which made us the candidate for the potential power of the Holy Spirit who could now live in us. Before the cross, the Holy Spirit couldn't live in men. But because of the cross, when Jesus paid the price, paid the full price for your righteousness... He validated you as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not because you do the right thing, but because He paid the price. His righteousness is what God sees when He looks at you. You are hidden in Christ. You are complete in Him. And the only reason the Holy Spirit can work in any of us is because our faith is in what Christ did and the Holy Spirit can take up residence within us because God sees us as His Son. You don't ever earn the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit through what you do. He's only there because of what Christ did. And the more you become aware of that and know that, the greater candidate you are for the moving operation, power, and teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know the deep things of God, you have to first embrace the basics. And the church hasn't embraced the basics. We run far and wide from Christ and Him crucified. And when I say that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not just trying to preach a mantra, a term. I'm trying to get you to see that it is the person of Christ and the work of Christ that is all important. And if you can see that, then everything else of God, the deep things of God, can become yours as God sees fit to give them to you. Does that make sense to you? If you fully embrace that the only thing that makes you righteous is your faith in Christ, you are better understanding the mystery and you become a candidate for the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you're rejecting that, and moving away from simple faith in Christ as the means of which all things are done and why God does everything that He does in your life, then, by leaving the simplicity, you also quench the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit. You push Him away. You frustrate the grace of God in your life. Paul knew this he begs the Corinthians go back to the simplicity because in the simplicity is the complexity in the simplicity are the two subjects that you will never fully completely learn in this lifetime so if you're bored with Christ and him crucified you've just stopped learning the height and the depth of the person and the work And you also then have stopped the ability of the Holy Spirit to show you the deeper things of God. The deeper things of God, now I've got to finish, but the deeper things of God show me God's heart. As I'm somewhere in that level of learning, what I'm learning through concentrating on Christ and Him crucified, It's not knowledge that blows people away. Uh, That's just pride. What I'm talking about is learning the heart of God. Feeling what He feels. Sensing what He senses. People that used to just light my fire, make me mad, disgust me. All of a sudden there's a compassion. People that have hurt me. I find myself praying for sincerely and not, Lord, let them walk off a cliff. (laughs) But sincerely wanting their best because the Holy Spirit has had the freedom to show me the heart of God in a way that I've never seen it before. And it's not just a saying. It becomes a reality. The deep things, the deep understandings of God. And God is so deep, we never get to His depth. But yet, God has given us His Spirit to show us the heart of God. The mind of God the intent of God. But if we start chasing after the wisdom of men, we'll never have the maturing process of the Spirit of God. We become, can I say it without insulting, natural men and women. Men that operate by our brains. And there's nothing you don't... Christianity, I'm not encouraging you to park your brain at the door. Please don't do that. We have a few that have done that. We don't need to park our brains at the door. We need whatever brain we have to help us through this. But this isn't about common sense. It's not about education. It's not about how well we put one plus one together, all of that. This is spiritual truth that is revealed to us by the Spirit of God that impacts our minds and renews our minds to where we begin to think more like our Heavenly Father. As your Father is holy, so be ye holy. How do I get that? The Holy Spirit begins to build into us the characteristics of our Father. I've been regened. I have a new Father. And He's making me like Him, the deep things of God. So if you think the deep things of God are a knowledge that you'll have that nobody else has, well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about coming to know the Father, coming to think like Him, act like Him naturally, not fake it till you make it, naturally comes right out of your system. Because the Holy Spirit is showing you what your Father is really like. And He's the only one that can. And listen, this is good. This is so good. This is the mystery. Nobody gets this. He not only shows us what the Father is like, He then secondly empowers us to act like the Father. It's God that works in us both to will and to do, of His good pleasure. He that hath begun a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day that Jesus returns, if we choose the gospel and not the wisdom of men. So I challenge you tonight. In your Christian walk, what are you listening to? What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the wisdom of men? The works of religion? Or are you digging in to find out more about the person that loved you and gave Himself for you? Are you learning Christ? Isn't that what He said to us? Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me. He said it with a broken heart to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said... You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But they speak of Me. Learn of Me. Come to Me. Learn of Me, Jesus said. And He sent back the Holy Spirit to teach you about Christ. And He sent back the Holy Spirit to live in every believer and teach them the value of what the crucifixion provided. And we have not yet plumbed the depths of either of those two subjects. So make sure that you're not traipsing off after things other than Christ and Him crucified. So that the Holy Spirit can develop you completely into the mature believer that God wants you to be. It's His work. It's His work. It's His work. work. Would you stand with me tonight? This brings us to the end of the message. We hope that it has been a blessing to you, and that you would consider helping support Power of the Cross Radio with an offering. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on the donate button. If you have prayer requests or comments, fill out the contact form on our website, or email us at infocross.radio. God bless and have a great day.